milliseconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you've left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is a ritual. Hej och välkomna till den här podden är en rituell. Jag är inte din host. Jag är hosts uh, vad är det festflicka. <laughs> Fiance Lisa Ann Markusson. Om du känner igen namnet Markusson. Ja, det är sant. Jag är svensk. Uh, på den här podden, på den här episoden ska vi prata om vad resa till Sverige. Här är din verkligen host, Devin Persson. Thank you, darling. Now, for our listeners who don't speak Swedish, uh, which we do have a few, what did you just say? Oh, I was just doing my best Stockholm accent, welcoming everyone to this episode of This Podcast is a Ritual, uh, letting everyone know that I am Swedish, I am not the real host, and that you are the host, and we're going to talk about going to Sweden. Okay. Bra. Uh, so... Vi har en magiska, magiska? Magiska. Magiska ord. Ett magiskt ord, ja. Ett magiskt ord för idag. Uh, vad är det? Ordet för idag är resfeber. Okej. Okay. Ett, två, tre. Resfeber. All right, so switching back to English. That was our magic word. And what was that word? So that word is a cool Swedish word that doesn't have a exact English analog. It means travel fever, basically being super excited for an upcoming trip. Okay. And we are currently very excited for an upcoming trip. Uh, if you listen to the last episode that Lisa Ann was on, uh, How to Be Vulnerable. What a great episode. We, we gave a little preview of this. Uh, but we are going to Sweden and traveling through Sweden for the entire month of August. And because this podcast is a ritual and I am a wizard, that means this is a magical quest. And so today, this is a little mini ritual to kind of set the stage uh, for both the physical trip we're going to be doing through the material world of Sweden, as well as the imaginal journey we'll be on in this podcast As in the next two months, uh, we have a bunch of Swedish guests, including Swedish podcast listeners and other folks that are going to be joining us for a very cool magical arts retreat uh, in Sweden. So we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later on. But for right now, you and I have both been fortunate enough to go on some trips in our life. We've had opportunities to travel. And I wanted to start this episode by just talking about how that process begins because I think pulling back the curtain pulling back the curtain I love pulling back the curtain show me the receipts yeah um but I think it's really important to just acknowledge that 
most things in this world, especially longer trips, start as ideas. There is a decision where you say, yeah, let's go do this. And then you book a plane ticket or tell your friends in that city, hey, I'm going to come that weekend and let them know. And then this whole experience grows out of that initial idea. So to talk about how we decided to go to Sweden and why, I'd love to start with you just talking about your interest in Sweden as a place, how you learned Swedish, and uh, yeah, just kick us off with that. You said that a trip starts with an idea, right? Mm -hmm. And in my case, and now uh, by extension your case, I think this trip started with an idea uh, in the early 1900s <laughs> when my grandparents had the idea to leave, well, my great-grandparents had the idea to leave Sweden and go to the United States as immigrants with empty pockets and a bunch of big ideas and a random friend-of-a-friend connection in Southern California that promised them that they could find them work. So that's um, that's my connection to Sweden and why I've been fascinated by it for so long, even, even as a early youth, late childhood, kind of like puberty age, I wasn't raised speaking Swedish. My dad didn't learn, learn it growing up. He had some small familiar terms from his family, but uh, they didn't like make an effort. It wasn't very hip to teach your kids the language. No, this is, continues your... to be a thing. A lot of immigrants come in and they want to assimilate and adapt. And so it only takes one generation to lose those things. But if I think you... now it's at least more of a thing that people talk about. And immigrants have a lot more like pride and concern for keeping culture and language mm -hmm. alive. No, I can't say all, but like it's something that most of the people that I know that are the children of immigrants, like second generation, they've talked about it with their parents. Like yeah. my dad's parents didn't talk about it. That wasn't mm. an issue that was even on their radar. It was like, get We're here, here now. <laughs> get here, become American, do as good as you can. End of story. And I just want to add, I think it's so fascinating because as people in 2023 planning a trip, we can look at YouTube videos of places. We can go on Google Maps. Like there's so many ways that we can get a sneak peek of where we're going. But if you think about an immigrant, maybe they had gotten a photo of like their friend standing next to a palm tree and saying, or like, come here. And you're like, okay. A letter from a friend of a friend that got passed around the village. And I once read a tour guide to California, like a promotional brochure almost of California from the 1800s. And the the descriptions of California were ridiculous. There's like, no cats in America. Fantasy land stuff. Like yeah. it sounded like they were describing Disney World. Yeah. Uh, which it ended up being. <laughs> and my dad ended up working at Disneyland. There so it go. all comes full circle. Yeah. The American but dream. Anyway, so just so that we don't go down too much of my like ancestry.com <laughs> heritage. Uh yeah. So my my Family was able to reconnect with some relatives in Sweden. We became pen pals. I got really excited about learning the language. I love languages so this was much. Like high school, mm -hmm, like yeah. or like late middle school, early high school. High school. Okay. Um, and 
I've actually lost touch with those relatives now mm. and their email addresses that I used to email them on don't work anymore. And so if you are listening to this and you are Par Oka or, or Emma Forsberg in Yavla, please reach out to Devin. Yeah. Person is awake at gmail.com. <laughs> and we would love to meet you in Yavla when we are in Sweden. Thank you. <laughs> But yeah, so I visited quite a few times and I've... When was the first time you visited? Uh, when I was 17, okay. 16 or 17. Cool. What was that like? Uh, it felt like almost like, uh, not to be so cliche about it, but like that kind of classic um, Harry Potter thing where it's like, you're a wizard, Harry. It's like, I, f I was like, oh my God, I'm a Swede. Yeah. Harry, <laughs> like it was just so cool to feel so at home in a place that felt so magic and so different. Mm. I think that's the key thing for me. I've I've always felt like I didn't really fit in. I was never really into like um st standard American culture. You know, I mean, both of us. I think that's one of the things that brings us together so much. Is like we're just so peeking around the corner, looking under the rocks, we do questioning things. We things a little things. bit different. We do things a little bit different. And uh, I just appreciate so many of the elements of Swedish culture that um, are more like the life and the community that I want to live in. Well, I think it's, a, it's an interesting idea because if you see a movie or a TV show and they time travel, they'll find the ancestor that is played by the same actor and this like mm -hmm. just looks exactly like it. And I don't think that really happens. But I remember my family is not Swedish, but I was in second grade or something. And there was a question about, you know, what is your ancestry? Where is your family from? And so I went home and I asked my mom and she's like, well, my side is like Scotch, Irish, German, mutt, American. Like there's not a real clear lineage. But your father's family, I think, came from Wales. So we looked up Welsh in the dictionary, and at one part there was like a description of a Welsh man, and it was like just a description of my father. Mm -hmm. Like it just was very much describing his exact physical features, and that was just so funny that it was like, wow, okay, yeah, that that stands out. Yeah, you don't realize the subtleties of the difference of like a human face structure mm -hmm. until you compare to some of those old photos and looking. I mean, my dad is just so. It, you you can look at historic photos of random men in Sweden and you're just like, oh, there's a thousand men that look exactly like my dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think with, um, with what you were talking about, immigrants coming over and not passing along the language, America as a whole has this weird experience where people crossed the ocean to get here, lost some of their culture, saw land that was just available, ignoring all of the native peoples that were here, and created this very new kind of dissociated culture that doesn't feel rooted in an ancestral home mm -hmm. the way that everyone before could be like, oh, yeah, my family lived over there for 500 years before we came from— On the other side from, of that hill. The other side of the hill past that for another 500 years. So there's a very different sense of place. And— the next thing that I thought about when we were talking about, you know, a trip is there's a difference between, I think, breadth and depth when you go travel. I remember the first time that I got to go to Europe with my family when I was like 20 
and my brother and I ran into other backpacker young traveling types. And we met these two guys that were, I think, just got out of college and they were going to all of Europe in two weeks. They had gotten the Eurorail and they were going to a different city basically every day. So we like met them and they're like, yeah, we're in Berlin for the afternoon and then we got to go back to the train station. And I was like, oh my God, you're like spending your whole trip on a train. You're like not really seeing any place. And then I've thought about how do you actually get deeper and not just go check off the museums you're supposed to see. Oh, I saw the Eiffel Tower. There we go. But actually connect with the culture. And we've practiced doing that on a lot of our other trips. You know, Mm -hmm. we've avoided going too fast or trying to squeeze too many destinations in. Having slow and fast. I think that's what I've learned is having that fun kind of, okay, here's a new city. We're here for a few days. Let's go to another spot and then have a, oh, and then we're here for a week and we can catch our breath and move on. Um, But I was curious because you had family ancestry. And so when you were younger and going to Sweden for the first time, how did you try and connect with the culture on a deeper level? Oh, I mean, like I stayed in the home of a friend who had gone there to study abroad. Mm. Like that was the major element. You know, when you're not really a complete adult yet, it's hard to go out and just be like, I'm going to meet people and like learn everything on my own with no mm-hmm. support. You end up just maybe blowing through the... Hanging out, playing pool with continent. a bunch of Australian backpackers. Exactly. So it, I was really lucky to be connected with um, with locals in the south of Sweden and then locals, my, my family, my relatives in the north of Sweden. Yeah. Um, I think the connections with people that live there are, is the key way. Like you can't do it by yourself, just poking around without developing a real human connection with someone who knows and trusts you enough to want to share that. I've thought about that even just visiting American cities that when you're sometimes, you know, it goes both ways. I will say like sometimes when you're just totally the tourist and you have no idea what's cool, where to go, you wander into the place that's not cool and have the best time. And it's like amazing. But I yeah, but think, meeting someone, right? But I think it's really nice when you have the time where somebody picks you up and then is taking you to the best pho restaurant and you drive past seven other pho restaurants and they're like, no, those are all trash. The best one is in this strip mall behind the Goodwill and it's so cool and you would have never found that on your own. You're not going to find that looking at Yelp. It takes that friend to say, hey. We're going here, and then we're going here. and I've heard Swedish pho is incredible. <laughs> it's one of their most highly rated dishes. <laughs> I'm actually so excited to show you some of the obscure Swedish foods that haven't gotten major airplay in international cuisines. You know, you already learned a lot about some of them. Um, but the cuisine is not just meatballs and pickled fish, you know? Yeah. I also am excited about uh, the weird pizzas. There's a lot of pizzas that have strange toppings. Oh my gosh, you can't stop talking about the pizzas. I want the banana curry peanut pizza. It sounds great. And then uh, what's the one that we've talked about, the the hot dog? Tunbrutsrulla. Tunbrutsrulla. Quick quick explanation of what that is. Uh, Well, if you want to see a really decadent version, you can go into the archive and see... um, no, the no reservations oh, episode. Oh, when gets it, yeah. Yeah, uh, but it's basically a very long hot dog uh, with some potato salad, 
uh, fried onions, um, mashed potatoes. No, wait, what? It's, 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 yes, it's it, has, like mashed potatoes. it has mashed potatoes and another like creamy salad. There's um, a uh, shrimp salad. Shrimp salad. Which is like mainly mayonnaise. Okay, can I re-describe that? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 keep going. You're good. Anyway, it's like, it's like seven or eight different odd kind of picnic mm-hmm. ingredients with the hot dog stuck right in the middle, swirled up in this really wonderful, soft flatbread. Yeah. And it's kind of like a late night drunk food. Yeah. And it's intense. You get it from a truck. <laughs> you get it from a truck and it's like they give it to you in a roll, but then they also give you this like tiny little like fork spoon thing because it's just too crazy mm-hmm. to even try to eat. <laughs> it's like places that give you an ice cream cone and it's like 10 scoops of ice cream on this little tiny cone. And they're like, oh, and here's also a bowl because and we know that, yeah, this is <laughs> a bib. And- this, is, this is not going to work. I think there's a couple of thoughts that are that are swirling around about this logical progression of, okay, you decide to take a trip and then you try and figure out, do you want to see a large expanse or do you want to go see what it's really like to be in a certain place for a longer time? And with this one, you having a background in Swedish culture and the language and me having bounced around before and had fun times traveling, but not wanting to have that play pool with Australian backpackers this time we were like, we want to go for a longer period. you do period. have a lot of Australian listeners, so like no offense to Australians, you no, know? No, we love our Australian listeners, absolutely. And props to them for being some of the most traveled people in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I managed to always end up hanging out with Australians no matter where I go, but... Yeah, wherever you go, there they are. <laughs> <laughs> but I think for this trip, we are like, okay we want to be able to go for a month and go deeper. And we'll talk a little bit about the ways that we've decided to go deeper in a moment. But first, for anyone that's listening and is going, oh my God, how are they How are they doing this? I wanted to be transparent and pull back the curtain about the way that we were able to do this trip. Because Our I tax think- returns are in the show notes. <laughs> exactly. We got the receipts. Um, but we had some fortunate circumstances of you worked an insane but well-paying job for a year that damaged you <laughs> mentally and physically. Everything but. that I didn't spend on therapy to recover from that job, mm-hmm. we we saved. Yeah. And uh, my grandmother who traveled was able to leave me just a tiny little bit, just a few grand um, when she passed. But obviously that money was, you know, she had, exp- I'd gone to live with her in Mexico. She was the reason that I'd gone to visit Thailand. So th- when I, you know, received that little bit of money, I was like, okay, this definitely has to go towards a trip. And I think that's the other thing that I remember early on in my 20s when I was, you know, working minimum wage jobs and prioritizing travel that some people will be like, oh, my God, how do you do that? And it's like you just have to decide that you want to go someplace and then reprioritize spending a little bit. Travel doesn't have to be as expensive as you think. You can go travel for months off three grand, you can also blow through three grand just eating out and... One night in Vegas. (laughs) One night in Vegas. And so it's not that there's a right way or wrong way. Everyone should do what they want with their money. But I think often it feels very impossible. And really when you realize that if you've got a priority, and especially if you've bought a plane ticket and you're like, okay, (laughs) we're locked in. We don't want to show up with nothing. If you have a priority and you have enough privilege to to make it, Feasible, You know, I just want to add that caveat because, 
you know, if you have children or if you have a lot of other circumstances that responsibilities make life that make a harder. lot more mm-hmm. expensive, this advice doesn't really apply to you. And so I don't want you to feel like you're like, what am I doing wrong or something? If you're listening to this, like we're both so lucky to have a really low cost of living in general, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to, we don't have any chronic illnesses. We, we don't have any debt. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I'm, but, yeah. I keep telling you, you got to bring your CPAP machine <laughs> on the trip. You've been sleeping so much better now. <laughs> <laughs> but I think even, you know, though Sweden is far away and in a, in a more uh, difficult destination in terms of cost, I think a lot of these ideas about deciding, planning, depth can be applied to even going to a neighboring city, yeah, even yeah. just a weekend trip. Um, and I've always been fascinated by that fact that we use the word trip for both a psychedelic experience and a Mm. travel experience because I think both get you out of your normal routines. You can't just wake up and do what you usually do and you have to see everything with new eyes because you've never been there before and then you go through that whole process and then come back feeling excited, bedraggled. There was challenging parts. There was fun parts. It's all a big mix, but then it lets you re- integrate with your life and go, oh, here are things that I want to do a little bit different. Here's some of the magic that I want to bring back with me. So what magic are you going to bring back with you from this trip? Well, I don't know yet. And that was the the next, I think, step of this is we can talk a little bit about how we've prepared. And now there's, because this podcast exists out of time, there's a bookend that this episode creates of us saying, hey, we're excited about this trip we're going to go on. And then there's the movement forward in terms of both the podcast episodes as well as our physical travel. And then there's another bookend of us coming back and saying, wow, here's the cool things that we learned. This was unexpected. This thing that we talked about in the first episode happened. This thing happened differently. And again, my whole philosophy of magic is it's not about control. It's not about getting exactly what you want, but it's about working with the chaos of the universe to kind of ride the waves and uh, have as you know, good of a time doing that as you can. Maybe we should take a second right now to just actively receive the positive intention and blessing that we're going to send back through time in the bookend episode. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's okay. Let's just take like ten seconds. <sighs> Ooh, I felt that. Mm-hmm. I had a very interesting version of this because we just traveled to Boston and then Austin for me to officiate a couple of weddings. And when we were coming back late from Texas, we were passing through the Louisville airport and I looked over at the completely deserted empty security line and I was like, oh, I can see the ghost image of us getting ready to go on that trip a week ago. Like I can see where we were standing what we were joking about, the exact vibe. What are we joking about? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to the Louisville airport, though, for always having a breezy security check-in. Unless it doesn't, and then it's all the way to the door. Almost never. It's really, really good. But, um, yeah, so I think let's, um, let's chat for a moment about the way that we've been trying to 
create correspondences in our life in advance of going to Sweden. And then we can talk about um, what we're hoping to do there and some more of the stuff that will be in this podcast. Well, I think your contribution to the planning has been by far the most methodical and um, transformative from what I would do. Your ability to have found a magical art retreat in the forest of Småland, which is a beautiful region where actually a huge portion of the now American immigrants from Sweden came from in the mm-hmm. 1800s and early 1900s. So it's kind of a cool connection. Uh, so that is, I, I want you to just share a little bit about that. So I want to get to that in one second, but I, I want to talk about this larger idea first that I got from journalism school, which is gathering strings. So sometimes you get a story where they're like, ah, somebody just burned a Quran in front of the courthouse. Go down and write about that. And other times you're like, there's something weird with the water board. Like the, the water department, something's funky and I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to go like ask some questions and you're talking to people and you're taking notes and you're just gathering. You're played by Mark Ruffalo you're, in this mm-hmm. version, right? 100%. And you're just kind of figuring out what the story is going to be, waiting for something to kind of take shape. And I think for when we last summer decided, okay, we're going to go to Sweden next year, I started trying to learn Swedish on Duolingo and then realized that hearing conversational Swedish would be so much more helpful and started trying to dive into finding Swedish television and film for us to watch and then expanding that out into a pretty deep dive on Swedish language music so I could just kind of have some of those words uh, going back around. And so for almost a year now, on a regular basis, we've been watching Swedish television shows, Swedish films, and even recently, um, I started doing language lessons uh, through a service called Preply, which is really cool, where you can have an online tutor. And that, uh, my tutor, Nina, who's wonderful, informed me that Sweden State Television, SVTV, has their own kind of like Netflix platform. So then we got a VPN so we could access that. And that's an amazing archive of Swedish television that goes all the way back to like... Is it legal to to tell the world that we got that? I think we'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. We're not breaking any laws. Um, And so that's been amazing to just be able to kind of channel surf, not even just contemporary, but like historic Swedish television and just absorb what you can from a culture that you weren't born into. Flipping into the archives of Malmö Festivalen Mm -hmm. from like the 70s, which is like this huge music showcase that's been going on in Sweden for God knows how long and watching really random Swedish bands that were up and coming and hopeful in the 60s, 70s, 80s on the stage. A lot of ABBA knockoffs. With their funny little like vintage microphones Mm -hmm. and their hairdos and stuff. It's, I wish that we had that with every, I wish every nation, every like cultural creative entity had an archive like that that was accessible. absolutely, yeah. Just watch old episodes of Soul Train just all the time, yeah. Top of the pops. Um, What are some of the Swedish cultural experiences that we've had in the last year that stand out to you? Like shows or movies or things that we found that you've been really excited by? 
Um, I think revisiting Ingmar Bergman mm-hmm. has been really cool. Um, a major element for me was like, I used to kind of shy away from a lot of his films because I just found them to be too sad mm-hmm. and kind of, it's difficult for me to process really sad things or like really dark things mm-hmm. or, or really violent things. And so tapping into his specific style and also the kind of Nordic noir genre overall and seeing that, not that his style is Nordic noir, no, but, yeah, both, yeah. but both of those different things that are things that I've shied away from because of their darker side yeah. um, has helped me feel more comfortable just being aware of my own shadow and mm-hmm. enjoying cultural creations that aren't guaranteed to have a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. Bergman's definitely going to come up more when I speak with Vanessa Sinclair and uh, Carl Abrahamson, uh, who will be guests on Babylon. Fu- future episodes. Exactly. Um, as we talk about psychoanalysis and the work of Bergman. But yeah, we've watched, um, we watched Riten, The Right, um, and The Magician. And um, I watched Fanny and Alexander, but all of them, I think, have tapped into this thing we've discussed lately about the power of mythology. And when you have films that are made from that more psychological, artistic perspective rather than just... They're almost like Greek tragedies in a way. Yeah, and it's different than something that is, you know, film number three in a series that's just designed to sell popcorn and promote streaming services. Not that there's not cultural mythology there, but it's very different when you watch some of these films that are exploring more difficult and shunned human emotions. So I think, yeah, I would I would say that Bergman has been awesome. And one of the first ones that we watched... I love Fruk and Freeman's Krieg. Yes, we found um, uh, through the library. That was a big discovery that you can see a lot more interesting stuff if your library has Hoopla or one of these streaming services you get with your library card. And f- do you want to give the summary of Froken Freeman's Krieg? Froken Freeman's Krieg was like a cultural phenomenon in Sweden. It, it was like four or six episodes each year that would come Three. out. Yeah, very yeah. short, 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 short um, seasons it, that would come out each year around Christmas time. And it was like maybe five years in a row. I think it was four, at yeah, least yeah. four. Um, and it became it was just super popular, kind of a Swedish Christmas tradition to watch the show. And it was super beautifully produced. It's a historic show um, that's based in um, it's looking at women's suffrage in Sweden in the very early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, Finland was actually the first country in the world to give women the right to vote. Yep. And you know, looking out across the Baltic Sea, the women of Sweden were like we want that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's talking, I don't know how much of this is based on like real historic characters per se, but I believe that the- very archetypal, I think. Yeah, and the movement is real. Yeah. Uh, And so each year they tackle a different social issue and they don't even actually achieve women's suffrage in the show, but they show how much the Swedes believe and kind of sanctify the power of collective action Mm -hmm. and- the 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 way that women have fought so hard earlier on than we were able to fight in the United States for somewhat of equal rights mm-hmm. in a different way like social 
power in a different way than we've been able to achieve here. And it was super inspiring. And the way they got started was starting a cooperative grocery store together, which Mm -hmm. is one of my personal passion projects. So yeah, I think um, it's kind of like a, you know, historic period piece, Downton Abbey sort of vibe. But then it's about all of these female characters that are coming together across some class boundaries, but that's very much discussed, and trying to start a food co-op. And then in subsequent seasons, they talk about the relationship of feminism to sex work and the labor movement. And yeah, it's a a very cool, very cool series. I also really liked um, Clark, which... Clark. Is on Netflix and is about... Have you heard of the term Stockholm Syndrome? That's where it comes from. <laughs> Clark Olofsson. And he is just kind of a scoundrelly bank robbery type, but it just... He's kind of like a you in a way. Like if you had been sort of like an orphan type and had really been left to just... If I wasn't so sleepy. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's very manic. Like You're like the house cat version of his tomcat. Yeah. It's in the 60s, and he's like, oh, hey, yeah, let's, like, rob a bank, get the money, go party, buy some hash, sell the hash. Oh, no, I got arrested. Oh, no, I'm in jail. And in Sweden at that time, you would get, like, leave so you could go on the weekend and, like, visit your family. And he would do that. When you are serving a prison sentence. Yeah. You could just take a little weekend pass, and then he would escape. It'd be gone for, like, two years. They'd catch him. They'd send him back to prison. They'd still give him weekend passes, and he'd do the same thing again. And then eventually that leads to— Oh, he started, like, a prisoner strike. Like where the the prisoners demanded better treatment, even than they were already. The show. I was curious about what the history of that was. I but guess I yeah. I did Google the guy, and he's a big creep. Yeah, yeah, but um, is he still alive, or he died recently? I he think died he might have recently. died recently. Yeah, yeah, but um, he ends up being the he has charisma for sure in a way, and ends up being the reason for. There's um, a lot of very funny, sort of like drug fueled sex stuff in it too yeah. it's like it's very kinetic very very modern yes, uh colorful like editing you could wear like sunglasses and watch it yeah, <laughs> yeah. um i assume that's what sweden is still like <laughs> well i was about to say that i think uh, a country's television is the stories it's telling itself and so it's not just a documentary but it's getting this modern perspective on here's how we want to remember this time period of the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Here's how we want to remember the 1900s struggle, the different elements that are going into that. Almost like a human soul singing mm-hmm. to itself while we sleep in our dreams. There we go. And so, uh, the poet, everybody. Uh, and so, as we've been exploring that, I think that's one element. You can kind of get to know the culture of a place. If you're going to France, watch some French movies. You know, it's fun. It's nice to see those things when you're there. But then also the human connection that we were talking about before and that personal relationship. So I had reached out to various occult friends and said, who do you know in Sweden? And that got us connected with um, Vanessa and Carl, who I mentioned, who let us know about this retreat that we're going to be attending. And I think the next podcast episode that's going to be coming out is going to be with River, who is the creator and host of this retreat. So we'll be going much more in depth. But um, I think that's a very lovely centerpiece that I'm looking forward to is we'll get some travel time and then we'll just have a week to be in this beautiful region with other... Like a 500-year-old farmhouse in a meadow, in a forest, Mm -hmm. next to a creek. Like 
it's going to be like the non-horror movie version of Midsommar. That's what I'm hoping. But I think also a little bit a horror movie version because I think it's going to be very cool to interact with some of the other... Do not let them put you in a bear suit, Devin. Not the bees! <laughs> um, the other occultists and artists and um, thinkers and creatives that are there, I think it's going to be a very special and fun experience. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Why don't you tell us about um, one of the connections that you made that you're excited about? Uh, well, I think the two connections that I'm most excited for are um, to visit with our friend Linda Zachterson, mm-hmm. uh, who is maybe going to be in Gothenburg at the time mm-hmm. um, and is a big mover and shaker in the cultural scene there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And someone actually... The person who introduced me to her is my Danish friend, Esben, who is in Copenhagen now. And we're going to go, that's going to be our one foray out of the country of Sweden into Denmark to go to a literature festival at the Louisiana Literature Museum. Or actually, I think it's all art museum. It's the Literature Festival at this art museum. Uh, And the Louisiana Festival is a big annual event and we're going to get to see Haruki Murakami speak and stay with my incredible friend, Espen. Which I'm very excited about and we'll probably have Espen on the podcast as well. He's a very interesting thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the next kind of thing is you have this decision, you start looking at the culture, but just watching movies doesn't give you a travel itinerary. But then as you get closer, you start to think about, okay, what's happening? Where do we want to go? In what order? And there's a lot of magic there as things sort of synchronistically fall into place. As you reach out to someone and say, hey, we're visiting. Is there anything cool we should do while we're there? And they're like, oh, there's a magical retreat that fits in the middle of this. Or there's a literature festival. Or there are these other things. And you start kind of connecting the dots and making this little constellation on the map. And then, of course, that's like a constellation looks like a crab in a very vague way. A picture of a crab is much more robust. And similarly, the couple of here's where we're going to be in each city is very different than the experience that you have in each of those cities that you have on the train rides in between and all of those details that fill it in. So are we going to be drawing a picture of a crab? Actually, because Mm -hmm. the other thing I'm really excited for is to celebrate the Kreftuiva. Oh yeah. Tell us about that. Um, This is a historic holiday that started in the 1800s in Sweden, um, eating crawfish Mm -hmm. on, I believe it's August 13th, but it kind of like happens multiple weekends, but the the major one is right in the middle of August. And it's a giant crayfish boil with lots of funny costumes and these little celebratory activities and dances. There's always songs, paper hats, lanterns, singing. Uh, and I've never celebrated that holiday before. And uh, some people, uh, like some kind of tourist groups or, or you know, for local tourists mm-hmm. as well, because it's just such a popular thing, they have these things called like crayfish safaris, basically, where they take you out into the sort of marshy waterlands and you wear these big boots and you get to like grab crayfish yourself and like like pluck the ones that you're gonna eat which is like you know we're pescatarian and it's gonna be like probably pretty weird to like have to confront the the little insect that you're about to eat but um i'm really excited to do that process yeah i i think getting like as i've been learning the language 
idioms come up. And idioms are so funny because when you speak a native language, you don't think about them. And then when you confront them in another language, it seems bizarre. And holidays are similar where you're like, oh, yeah, of course this is what we do. It's the 4th of July. But then when you see somebody else's holiday, you're like, wait, (laughs) paper hats? This is so silly. Uh, So, yeah, I think that'll be a very fun one. I I don't have the mommy. I'm not going to be able to share any. But I just got – or I, I can remember one. Um, I was talking about idioms with my teacher and there's some expression about raining so hard that like the rain is like rods, like straight into the ground. Mm. And we were talking about that and I was like, yeah, well, we say it's raining cats and dogs, which <laughs> makes zero sense. Like, <laughs> I don't even know where the origin of that phrase comes yeah, from. Researching idioms is always fun. Um Well, the other thing that I I wanted to talk about is of all of the connections that I'm looking forward to, getting to connect with podcast listeners is really exciting for Mm. me. Um, You've gotten to meet a few different podcast listeners as we've traveled, and the experience has just always been fantastic. Like, I really can't stress enough how well the magic of this ritual works and that we started this podcast with no one having heard it because it didn't exist. And the magic of it has really reached out to find the coolest, most thoughtful, interesting humans. And the ones that have reached out and connected um, have been so special and meaningful. And I love the relationships I developed. Mm. And um, some of the people that we're going to be hanging out with in Gothenburg have been listeners for a while. They have come to the virtual wizard hangs we do on Patreon. And so getting to meet them in person will be really fun and chat with them on the podcast, kind of bringing that magic full circle. And I wanted to make space to say anyone that's listening to this that hasn't reached out, please do. Um, That is the coolest thing that I've experienced in travel is when in my early 20s, like with Facebook, I would just say, hey, I'm going to be in San Francisco. Who has friends of friends I can meet? And then people would say, oh, my God, you got to meet Jeremy and Christopher. And then you meet these people. And because they're your friend's friend, they're generally pretty awesome, amazing people. And that creates that magical experience where you're not just again going off of lonely planet but you're getting to go hang with some locals at their friend's house and have a very uh, much different experience yeah yeah and we have um we have the literature festival and the magic retreat set sort of locked in Mm -hmm. and the the rest of the time we've been trying to keep relatively flexible we have a trajectory in mind and there's there's actually i made a blog post about this on my website if you want to see the the real trajectory of each week but there's space to fit in other little jaunts uh, and recommendations in recommendations for stockholm uh and malmo would be awesome um so anything that comes to mind I, I looked at the stats and I know that we have a pretty good number of Swedes that might be listening to this. So we would love to hear from you. And, you know, even if it's like... What's your website for them to look at that? Oh, I can put um, it in the show notes go to too. The, go to the blog on arspoetica.us. Yeah, and then we're going to be continuing to podcast about this more and more. But I think to kind of wrap it up today, um, let's do two spells. I think one spell is for us to send out through these vibrating airwaves the kind of magic we're hoping to conjure on this trip. And then we can talk a little bit more about how listeners can kind of create their own ritual to enable travel. 
even if that's again to a neighboring city. Even, even if it's just a psychedelic trip yeah. in your own apartment. <laughs> you can do the same thing for your mushroom voyage. Exactly. You don't need a passport for that one. Cool. So uh we've done this before when we're just going out for an evening and we again it's not about control it's not about this is what must happen but like what's the vibe and so i'm curious if you we can maybe go back and forth and share a few what are some of the experiences that would feel meaningful that you would like to conjure Hmm. i like this question um well one thing i would really like is to get to have a like a real conversation with working artists like who who are creating culture and and criticizing culture and contemplating the future of the, the human race. I want to know what real contemporary Swedish artists who are in the field getting their hands dirty whether they're poets or sculptors or performance artists whatever, I want to know what they think about where we're going mm. and and what role uh a country, a culture like Sweden's that has been such a beacon of sort of progressiveness mm -hmm. and social democracy, like how they can, how they're responding to the difficulties that we're having. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, America can be frustrating at times where it's like the most simple things related to climate we want to argue endlessly about and delay and dismiss. And But I Sweden's think, having some of their own versions of those problems mm -hmm. too, you know, and it's like, there was like a Trump-like figure that oh, rose yeah. to great prominence in mm -hmm. Sweden recently. And it seems like he's already kind of like fallen out of favor mm -hmm. in a pretty notable way. I don't know what uh, all of the nuances of it, but yeah, I'm really interested in talking to people about the intersection of art, politics, and the future. Yeah. I think the first thing that comes to mind is the idea of planting seeds because even though we're still planning this initial trip, the idea of coming back is very exciting to me and the way that, you know, just with friendships, like I've had communities where there's my core group and then there's someone who's, you know, like an acquaintance and you don't know as well. And then later on in life, you both end up living in the same city again and you suddenly have like a deeper, more profound relationship. And so the idea that as we're traveling and meeting people, there are some people where it's like, oh, getting to know this podcast listener creates this initial relationship, which blooms over the years ahead. Or even the chance encounters of, you know, hey, the guy that we meet in line for our Tunbrosrula ends up saying, oh, my God, next time you're here, hit me up. I'll take you to this. And then that that comes to fruition. So whether or not, you know, not every seed will sprout, but just being in that mindset of we're sowing seeds throughout and who knows what's going to grow um, after. I also want to get a tattoo. Ooh. Yeah, I want to get a tattoo. Of the Swedish flag? No. <laughs> oh my gosh, talk about another movie though. Jaga Nifiken. Oh yeah, yeah. I Am Curious Yellow, uh, the classic band in America Swedish art film. Like it's really such a must-see. Yeah. Uh, no, but I just think it would be meaningful. You know, I've been wanting yeah. to get a new tattoo for quite some time um, and I know exactly what I want. So I just need the artist for it. How is the artist going to represent surfstroming though? <laughs> well, um, we'll talk about Lots that of offline. <laughs> That's actually a patrons only bonus content mm. that I will reveal the placement of the Sir Ming tattoo. <laughs> um, so I think getting a tattoo is cool. I have a tattoo that's it's not my favorite, but it's still meaningful that I got when I was in Argentina and it was kind of just a similar 
you know, and um, a friend of ours who has been to Sweden and uh, comes to Wizard Wednesday has an entire sleeve of passport stamps as tattoos, which I think is so very cool. cool. Um, I think the next thing that I was thinking about, though, is I love that experience of surprise and adventure. And I think that is what you're looking for often on any trip, but those moments where we don't know where to go, no one's guiding us, and we just go, oh, what's up these stairs? And then it's the rooftop bar where you meet the interesting people who invite you to the next thing and just how those doors sort of open. So having those experiences is definitely kind of why I'm in the whole game and the purpose. I think that's my whole theory of magic. You do love having uh, the spirits align to reveal something unexpected to you. Mm -hmm. Very much so. It would be great to be able to do something specific to connect with my heritage, particularly my grandparents. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure what that would be. So that would be kind of a cool surprise to just be on the lookout for. Yeah. Yeah. Doing some sort of ritual, magical connection. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful idea. So let's wrap this all up with a tidy little blue and yellow bow. Um, for anyone that's listening, because I mean, you've, you've traveled even more than I have, this idea about deciding, gathering string, cultural connections and personal connections, and then opening yourself up to possibility and adventure. What's a spell that listeners can do to kind of bring this, this all together? Well, I, I like the idea of a spell that is accessible to anyone and doesn't require mm. you to have to be immersed in another country's yeah. culture. Uh, and so a really fun thing that we've done a few times is um, you can set an intention. You can just take a moment, light a candle, do some sort of physical act to um, create the container and decide how long you're going to be doing this uh, activity for, you're going to be doing this this ritual for, uh, and then choose a theme. Mm. Choose um, what's going to be your little white rabbit that's going to guide you. That's a really good um, way to put it. A yeah. color, um, a flavor, mm -hmm. um, a little phrase, you know, that you're going to say yes to every question that someone asks you, or you're, oh, you're only going to turn left, or mm -hmm. when you see the color green, you're going to know that you should go that way. Mm -hmm. Um, if you, if you want even more of a technical guide for that, you can do rando nodding, you yeah. know, uh, choose what's going to be your guide, choose the amount of time you're going to do it. And, and clear as many distractions away as possible. I think that less distractions equals more chance for serendipity. Mm -hmm. So turn your phone on airplane mode or leave it behind or whatever. Yeah. Free yourself from the things that or tie you. Or if you want like a weekend trip, like, you know, you don't have to cut off completely, but just kind of make it a point to not be trying to just scroll and look at what your friends are doing on Instagram back home. Like exactly. Be, be totally present with what you're doing and with how much possibility you're tapping into dive yourself into that river of potentiality w without a rock tied to your shoe you know yeah. wear a life vest but, but don't tie a rock to yourself and uh and then, and then go on your own adventure see what it feels like to just set a timer for five hours and leave the phone at home and only turn left you know yeah. and just see what happens pack yourself a little knapsack or bring just $20 with you or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever works for you. Um, and, and if you can't even get out of the house, 
you can still do that in a way of just turning off all of your electronics, um, borrowing a friend's musical instrument and trying that. Just try to shake off the norm and the things that kind of tie you into your mundane habits to create the space for the adventure. Beautifully said. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's like this two-part process. There's one part of disconnecting from the mundane, the normal, and then there's another about not just flinging yourself into an empty, mm-hmm. completely yeah. open void, but sending yourself off in a direction. Yeah, like wandering in the forest with no food, no map, no water bottle. That's yeah. It's dangerous. Quite, that's quite dangerous. Yeah. But going on a hike through the forest with a compass mm-hmm. and a snack and a water bottle, amazing things can happen to you and you're, uh, you have a little bit of safety. When I lived in New York, my ex-girlfriend's mom was visiting and she randomly collects those pressed pennies. You mm. know, when you're in like a gift shop and you put your penny I in and then you love those. put it through the machine and then it stamps it out. And so she had a map of all of the spots in New York that had those That's and cool. that included like the M&M store in Times Square and all of these random spots. And I thought it was so cool that that created a different map for her to explore New York than somebody who is a foodie and wants to go at the highest rated restaurants mm. or somebody that wants to check out record stores or whatever that is. So I think sometimes when we travel, we default to what I'm supposed to do. So, oh, if I'm going to Chicago, Lonely top, planets, top, top 10, 10 Chicago sites. things. Whereas if you think about what's something that I am interested in, in this place, and then research it, then you get a very different list that guides you through that experience. And so I think it's almost like you're creating this braid, right? You're setting down and saying, okay, there's one strand of what am I interested in the culture of this place? How do I watch movies about Chicago and learn more about its music, its history, and play with that? Then there's another of what are the personal connections that I may or may not have and how could I try and explore those a little bit? And then there's this magical one that you were talking about of picking a totem, whether that's a color or a word, or I found when I travel, the gnomes appear day one, like, as soon as I'm there, there's, oh, there's a little gnome sign. There's a little gnome over there. Typewriters for me can be that way. Yeah. And it's just kind of a wink from the universe. And then sometimes it really does alter your trajectory because you're walking down the street and you go, wait, there's a gnome. Let's go in this shop. Oh, my God, babe. That should be our thing. Let's keep our eyes out for a place that has a gnome and a typewriter. Ooh, okay. A place with a gnome and a typewriter is what we're going to be looking out for yeah that is our we can do our typewriter and our gnome count we might have to just elope when we find that (laughs) (laughs) there we go yes well we'll send out our wedding invite and it says where the gnomes (laughs) and the typewriters meet okay well thank you for inviting me to do this thank you for i'm so excited for our trip being my partner on this adventure on this magical quest and Looking forward to revisiting this conversation in a few months with a whole new host of experiences and magic to relate. Elskade. Elskade. Oksa. Hey, Doa. Hey.